Hello, welcome. We're back after a bit of a break. Um, where have we been? Uh, we've both been to Malta. Obviously, not together. We're not that close. Uh, we did go <laughs> separately. Uh, there was separately, a, yeah. I think there was a week difference between us. Yeah, let's give Malta Malta time to recover. I mean, what, yeah. What did you get from Malta? I got a straw donkey. Uh, yeah. Some, some magic beans and a deep vein thrombosis. Hooray! Deep vein? I mean, not even light vein. You went straight nope. for the deep vein. Deep vein, yeah. I, I know that because I've already seen it on my patient access app. It tells you exactly. It's, yeah, it's a blood clot on the leg. So it was uh, absolutely pissing agony for mm. about, uh, about a week. But um, I'm on the mend now. I've got those lovely uh, blood thinning tablets. I did have to inject myself in the stomach for two weeks, which was like being a junkie. It was great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There could be a little joke there, but I won't do it. Uh... No, no, don't. The the nurse did say to me, what's the matter with you? Don't you like needles? (laughs) To which I replied, replied, well, who does? Who Mm. you ever met that goes, oh, I love them. I love them. I love love needles. Well, obviously, if you are... um, an intravenous drug user, you might love the actual effect, but I bet even then there might be some junkies going, oh, oh God, looking away. Yeah. I mean, then, yeah, that's not the bit they like. Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> but here we are again for another episode. Oh, well, I'm going to tell people what I got back from... Uh, uh, yeah. Water, and, uh, uh, of course, the weather was absolutely ridiculously hot. Uh, yeah. And the effect was it turns my beard completely grey. Well, just the bottom mm. bit. Uh, I don't know why that happened. Uh, could have been bleached by the sun. Who knows? Yeah, it makes it look very distinguished, like a professor. You know. Yes. I think the other word is <laughs> old. <laughs> That's where you can't escape. Uh, I mean, you know, if this, if I even leave a tuft of it, it goes, it's all white now. And the beard as well. So there's, you can't, I mean, it's no use getting Grecian 2000 for your head, is there? Well, not for you, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we introduce the new episode? Yes, so because Edinburgh is impending. In fact, by the time you see this, it might have even started. So yeah. we interviewed Peter Buckley Hill, head of the PBH Free Fringe, which has been going since 1996. Uh, not to be confused with the other Free Fringes, including one which is uh, Laughing Horse. And they were together for a couple of years, I think for 2006 to 2008 i might be wrong about those dates but yeah. around about that time and then they fell out quite badly they are, they are in fact the gallagher brothers of um Finch. Uh, as in there is a lot of bad blood yeah. yes i think we can safely say that can't we? which you will see a bit of this <laughs> in this interview <laughs> so peter buckley hill i was looking up the history of pbh and one of the facts that I saw on the website uh, was that you're the largest promoter in Edinburgh. 
Ah, well, I certainly was at the time. Mm. Um, and that would have been when we had 10,200 performances. Mm. Um, there were probably some other numbers instead of the last two zeros, but, but that, that order of magnitude. Um, now, I am not sure that this is still true. Oh. Um, no, in these COVID years, we are, we are down to 5,500 and a few odd performances this year um and whether we shall ever get back to ten thousand is um a pretty open question but mm. at the time we were certainly the largest yes wow that's a, that's a big number it that is, is a big number yes yes i know i invented it specially no it's <laughs> it's, it's actually true yes it, it is a big number uh and it's verifiable as well now, I mean, organizations that I will not name have in the past claimed 7,000 performances, whereas when you counted them, it was 5,200. Mm. But no, these were genuine, and most of them took place. Now, we don't know when an odd show happens to be cancelled on the ground through illness or lack of audience or whatever. So, you know, we, we, uh, we simply can't trace it in that level of detail. No. But, them did indeed to, uh, take place and uh, we were the largest and it would be nice if we were the largest again because it would mean something not necessarily to me but to the whole movement if you like so um, what made you start this movement um well i <laughs> i came i saw i was ripped off and uh, <laughs> uh, if I wanted to come again, which uh, most people do, I would have had to have been ripped off again and again and again. I thought yeah, there must be a slightly better way of doing this. Why did the middlemen exist? Could they in some way be cut out? And I uh, worked out a scheme whereby they could be cut out. Um, and that's more or less what we've been doing ever since. I mean, how, how did you actually go about it then? I mean, what, what's the method that you used? Um, right. Um, but bear in mind the laws of libel. No. <laughs> uh, oh, well, yes. Uh, <laughs> if you're concerned about the laws of libel, uh, please press the terminate button immediately. <laughs> I know what happens in pods. Hmm. I have seen 2001, and this... Um, <laughs> So we are all going to be catapulted yeah. in space. I can't let you say that, Peter. <laughs> right. Anyway, so um, I will pay tribute here to the dead. And this particular dead um, was was Zed, Reggie Shot. In my third year, he did a deal with um, the Firkin chain. So he got a venue two Firkin venues, in fact. One was the Footbites and Firkin. Um, and uh, um, he formed uh, shows out to people he knew uh, for um, a cheaper sum than the uh, big exploiters were demanding. I think it was about £600 or so rental for the full um, uh, full year. I, I haven't got the exact figure, but it was somewhere in that order of magnitude half or a quarter of what you would otherwise have paid to uh, to some other um, promoter. And that was the opportunity I seized to make the show free admission. Right. 
not write off those £600, but at least you know, write off um, any expectation of getting it back through ticket sales. Just make the whole damn thing free and see what happens. And what happened uh, was successful, except on Fridays. <laughs> what happened on Fridays? T- TFI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> You are both comedians. You know what happens on Fridays. The drink happens on mm. Fridays. <laughs> the violent demon drink. Mm. Um, and uh, so you combine that with the then relatively new concept of a free show. It wasn't the first free show on the fringe. Um, people mm. keep telling me, ah, you say you made the first free show on the fringe and you didn't look at the... No, I never said that. I never said that. I said the first free show of its kind systematically in the programme. We know BBC shows have always been free by charter. We know that um, the Christians have always put on free shows, including tea and biscuits, if you merely embrace their philosophy. Hmm. Um, So we have never put on tea and biscuits. Um, That would be a good show, though. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the mis- and actually Fridays would have been a lot better having <laughs> tea and biscuits rather than having people pay to, to pay for the demon firkin ale hmm. uh, oh yeah because the, the firkin ale was very strong wasn't it because they they brewed their own beer didn't they and they were going to brew one specially for us um, or I suspect they were going to sort of take one that existed and just badge it with, with us, but it was nice anyway. Imagine that a beer for comedians, extremely bitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, whose idea was that? With, I mean, the bucket thing was that was that there from the very start? That was uh, that was all part of it. Uh, um, um, I mean, okay, um, the people who first started using buckets rather than uh, decorous middle-class collecting tins uh, were the were the miners during the strike of the 80s. Oh, nice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I suppose that's a sort of a nod to them. <laughs> and actually, at that first show, as I, as I now remember, we did not use a bucket. We used, we used a hat of, of mine, which... Um, on one Friday night, was stolen, oh. including its contents, which is a pity. And then, at subsequent shows, I used um, a horrible prop. I used a plastic arse, <laughs> which... Um, Where did I, they put the money? Available at all good joke shops. Um <laughs> Uh, and that sort of became a gimmick at the end of this show, saying if you don't like it, you can stick your contribution in my arse. Look, here it is. Um, and got off on what fondly hope would have been a laugh. And <laughs> um, but uh, um, anyway, so uh, and, uh, and, and the buckets sort of came in uh, after that. I don't quite know, uh, know how, but anyway, uh, um, we used to provide them. That's right. Mm. And, uh, and, and Mel, my partner at the time, who deserves much more credit for the free fringe than she gets, uh, um, uh, actually made special stickers for these buckets, which were in chosen colours. Um, these were the early optimistic days. Nowadays, shows have to provide their own buckets. Yes. Yeah. It's like the only metallic thing. plastic otherwise. Yeah. I mean, when you think how little some people do provide to a PBH show, 
Uh, I think the bucket's yeah, the least of their problems. It's not unfair. But, um, <laughs> anyway, whether it's fair or not, um, that's what they've got to do. Mm. You know, mm. No bucket, no mum. Um, that's the... Uh, no bucket, no more. No bucket, no more. <laughs> Wait, I, I once did a, a, a tour of South Africa uh, many years ago, uh, and uh, the promoter after apartheid. Oh, no, it's after apartheid. No, it's during. I, I was, I was, I'm very pro. No, uh, and he had these t-shirts printed up, and it's. I, I had mine. Uh, ironically, it was nicked as well, but it just said, "No funny, no money." And I, I love that. Okay. <laughs> we summed it all up, really. Uh, and I'm sadly, I, it was stolen. I mean, can I just ask, you know, what do you wish you'd known before you started doing the promotion? You know, this sort of slides into, have you got any tips for people who want to be comedy promoters themselves? And what do you, do, do you wish you'd known before you'd actually embarked on, you know, uh, the hellish life of a promoter? Oh, so many things. But, I mean, I don't regard myself as a comedy promoter for two reasons. Number one, the free fringe embraces all the arts, but it's mostly comedy because I try to be one of a collective, but in fact what I am is a fascist dictator of a collective. Um, uh, although, uh, although nowadays fascist dictator brackets retired, which is something very few fascist dictators actually achieve. They end up hanging from but, a lamppost now, most of them, don't they? <laughs> mostly, yes. I can't think of one who actually made it to... Uh, um, uh, Juan Perón, yes, he made it through the second time, but yeah, apart from... Well, you could say Pinochet made it, didn't he? He uh, made it through to, to living next door to Thatcher and uh, etc. Uh, it used to not live next door to Thatcher, that sort of thing. Yeah, but, um, yeah um, right. Um, yeah, uh, but no, back to the question, what do I wish I had known? Uh, I underestimated the gross selfishness of most performers. Right. Um, and I overestimated um, the um, idea that the collective um, um, mutual support might latch on. Now, it has to a certain extent, but there are still people who use us for um, what we give and give nothing back, which is unfortunate. But... Um, you know, the, the the biggest mistake I ever made was having anything to do with Alex Petty. Are we going to go there? Well, we, it's up to you. If you want to go there, you go there. No, 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 no. I merely uh, leave the remark uh, 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 as it uh, hangs. Uh, um, but, um, you know, there were... Starmer was not the first Starmer. <laughs> there have been Starmerites. Um, he was invented. The whole fringe uh, is Starmerite. And the management of the fringe is distinctly Starmerite. And by Starmerite, I mean taking an institution which exists for the public good, hollowing it out like some predatory insect, leaving only the shell <laughs> of the name. Uh, that is what the fringe yeah. is at the moment. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, you... And that is Starmerism, uh, and it happened in the, in the fringe's case, not the free fringe's case, but the fringe itself's case, mm. well before Starmer. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you, because there's been so many, okay, there is Alex Petty of uh, 
his group of free-ish comedy um, shows. There was also other people who have tried to produce free comedy shows in Edinburgh. Um, mm-hmm. And you think some of them have gone wrong. Where do you think they went wrong? I don't think that's for that's for me to say. Okay. Um, but what was I going to say? This is quite important. Um, free does not simply or merely refer to free admission. Mm. Right. Free refers to the entire chain of non-monetary transactions that give rise to the free fringe and also is a nod to the idea of liberating, freeing performers from the constraints of having to pay big money to intermediaries. Now, there are many, um, nowadays, many shows which are free admission. And I, if I have the effrontery to judge them, which I do, um, I judge them to the extent that they are free in all those respects. If... Um, if a performer is obliged to give free admission to the public and yet has to pay for the space, that is not free. That is the opposite of free. If that were universally adopted, then the fringe would be even more expensive for performers. Mm. So th- this chain of non-payment uh, is one that has to be maintained if the idea is to survive. Um, so you're, if we ever paid under or over the counter um, monies to uh, a venue for being part of our organization, then that would break that chain and we could no longer call ourselves free. And that is, of course, a big disadvantage because venues, by and large, like monies. Mm. And uh, if uh, monies are paid to them, um, then... Clearly, um, it's in their interest to to accept them. So we are very, very lucky that many, most of our venues have remained loyal to us. What they have been offered by others, I cannot tell, but I know that in some cases, offers have been made to our venues. And I'm very, very glad that those offers have been um, rejected. So free is is the whole chain. Yeah. Um, and where uh, uh, an alternative provider respects that chain, does the same sort of thing, then I have no quarrel. Mm. So mm. I was thinking latest figures I could find was hundreds of millions, could be several, probably about 300 million pounds, is pumped into the Edinburgh economy and Scottish economy during the fringe. Hmm. So yeah. it does lead to the question, why can't you, uh, should the free ethos spread to more venues? Hmm. Well, I, I'd like it to, of course. Uh, oh, well, um, but of course, after COVID, that is manifestly impossible. Hmm. Venues quite rightly have the uh, 18 months, two years of zero trade to recover from, and in many cases are being charged full rent by their landlords for these for this downtime. So uh, I cannot blame any venue for being out for yeah. any money that they can get. And we don't want them to go to the wall 
either, as oh. many of them have. Um, so um, it's uh, things are not now as they used to be. As they used to be, you know, they would welcome the extra custom. They have the spare space. Um, now everything has to be monetized, and you cannot blame them for that. It's their livelihood. It's their business, and we are merely there for three and a half weeks every year. We are not as important to them as we sometimes might think. Mm. So, yeah. Um, I mean, your, your question effectively says, well, what should be the correct distribution of wealth throughout the country? That's a big question. Yeah, yeah, we were sneaking in. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have opinions on that, but they rather transcend the ambit of this, uh, uh, of this show. We have become a charity. Nothing positive has emerged from that yet, but it's very early days. Um, and if we were to receive um, substantial donations in that um, regard, then we would accept them, obviously, because you know, we became a charity for the idea. And if we did, um, we would be on a more solid financial footing than we currently are. Hmm. Because every year I spend September in eternal dread that we shall not cover our costs because if we do not, then I guarantee them from my personal funds and I am not rich. So um, you know, it, it's very, very tense for me personally. And um, Bloody hell. Yes. Mm. Uh, um, uh, and uh, so I, I hope eventually over time that charitable status will uh, um, will help us with that. Uh, at the moment, um, we ask uh, for uh, each show to make a voluntary contribution. I emphasize it is absolutely voluntary. We don't even check who made it, or three pounds per performance. Um, my dearest wish, uh, no, strike that, uh, my, my first six dearest, which is a highly personal and not for your listeners, but um, <laughs> my dearest <laughs> professional wish is that we should abolish even that voluntary contribution yeah. so that shows would absolutely pay nothing and be under no pressure at all to pay even that small amount, which I think you will agree is a small amount. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, for a 23-show uh, run, a 23-performance run, that is £69, which compares quite favourably to what is asked for in the pay-to-play venues. But yes. even that um, is something that I'll be very, very glad to abolish so that we could say um, with absolute truth, no charges to performers, even voluntary ones. And we can't mm. on say that yeah, but it's yeah. very very voluntary and no one is penalized for not making it um unfortunately most people do yeah financial solidarity um is important to us and when i am gone in one way or another retired or dead who else would guarantee the way that i do mm. Yeah, should anybody. So charitable status is what we've chosen to do, and and we hope that that will solve the problem. Right. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I was going to get onto that because you've almost retired several times. 
And yes, I keep on trying to do it, and I'm very, very close to it this year. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you say that every year, and last. Uh, yeah, I know, and that, uh, and every year I mean it. I know, and, uh, I know you do. <laughs> it's the Elton John approach because it's not bloody fun. I know this yeah. is this yeah. is the bit. Um, it's having... enormously hard work. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't mind so much. If it, and I'm being very egotistical here, if it spun off um, in the shape of a few gigs for me around the year, because believe it or not, I am not a hopeless comedian. Yes, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a good oh, comedian. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for saying that, Paul. <laughs> I had a cue card. Oh, think you're very funny. <laughs> but, but, um, but, 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 uh, yeah, um, um, but but no, the time must come, and it may well come this year. I have been taking blood pressure measurements over the last week or so, and they're quite frightening. Yeah, so. and that's that's all due to the pressure of you know it's building up ahead of the fringe. Well, plus the major illness I had seven years ago. But yes, ah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, um, but uh, I will say that when I had that major illness, most of the free fringe went on. Um, undaunted, so that was a very yeah. good sign. Uh, and indeed, uh, I cannot fail to pay tribute to Luke, who is currently doing the CEO job, who's doing a, a hell of a lot of work, uh, much more to feel to as well. Uh, um, uh, and what we need is a larger team of volunteers from among the performers um, who will actually do that which they volunteer for. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, people who volunteer have this habit. Not all of them, obviously, have this habit of not quite fulfilling that which they ought to <laughs> fulfil. I've tried to make it as easy as uh, uh, as possible. Um, I think our data processing system is brilliant because I wrote it. Those mm. systems are in place. Those systems work when they are observed, and all we need is people to observe them now of course that does make me a very fascist dictator indeed yes that's exactly <laughs> what i was going to make the point as a benign well, what, why can in this free fringe not everybody do what he or she <laughs> likes and, <laughs> and that is a very good question yeah it doesn't work if they do Yes, uh, I mean, the only thing I was going to say is because you do realise out of all the Edinburgh fringe promoters, you're the only one that uh, your name is on everything. It's named after you. None of the other ones have got this. Yeah. Uh, you um, do embody uh, your own sort of uh, organisation completely and utterly. And that came about by, by accident, or that, that came about as a result of he who shall be bleeped out attempt to take over. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and he who shall be bleeped out is still using the domain names freefringe.com and freefringe.co.uk mm. rather than trading honestly under his own name. Yeah. Um, uh, and therefore it became necessary to say to the world, look, this is the original Free fringe. This is the free fringe as it ought to be, hmm. um, and that's how my name got attached. Uh, how my initials got attached to it. That wasn't supposed to be, and I, I, I wish it hadn't. 
do you do you think the Edinburgh Festival? Uh, how do you see the future of it? Oh well, that is very very dodgy indeed. Because I mean, I do not trust uh, the people who think they're the management of the fringe whatsoever. What ought to be a fringe has been sucked into um, what is not a fringe. Um, mm. And what, of course, happened last year is that uh, you know the first full COVID recovery year, yeah. it, the audiences collapsed across the board. We were affected, but so were everybody else. Probably, probably worse. Yeah. This is going to be the crunch year. Do they come back or do they not come back? If they do not come back, then um, the fringe will eventually die, but it will take many years to do so. Institutions yeah. like trees die from the heart outwards. Yeah. Where is the heart of the fringe? I don't see it. I'd like to say, and it will be correct rhetorically to say, that no matter what, the free fringe will carry on. Um, uh, uh, cue appropriate Titanic music here. Um, but no, <laughs> we are as much the victims of low audience as everybody else. Well, perhaps less so because we don't have the high admission crisis, but you know, when the audiences are down globally, then so are ours. Could we survive as an independent entity? It's a moot point because the fringe will just carry on and shrink within itself unless audiences pick up, mm. uh, and, and, and we will be part of that process free admission is not enough quality of shows which we have is not enough why do people why do non-edinburghers come to the fringe in august and that's the profound question and although some research has been done by the fringe organization i don't think we have a conclusion to that no. And there are, uh, if Edinburgh becomes as expensive relatively as it currently is, if accommodation for... Well, I, I was just about to say that is the major reason, I think, for 99% of the performers staying away is the absolutely obscene price of accommodation. For four weeks uh, in, in August, it's just... Um, I don't know if they can't sort that out. I don't. I don't see how anyone's going to go. It also applies to audience because the audience have got to come there. Most of them come yeah, yeah. from outside Edinburgh, and the cost yeah, yeah. of accommodation. You're right; is ridiculous. It, exactly ridiculous. what I was going to say. Yes, performers and audience alike. It's, it's the yeah. same rates, pretty much. It cannot be sustained that way. Now, some people blame this on Airbnb, and I don't understand Airbnb well enough to comment. But certainly, changes have happened to the general um, way that housing is handled in Edinburgh, as a result of which student flats are far less available than they than yeah. used to be. Uh, uh, and that has changed. Now, I believe, you know, I'm talking out of my hat here, except someone stole the hat in 1996, but uh, <laughs> I believe that yet further changes are afoot that might alleviate the, the situation somewhat. Mm. Uh, and Edinburgh Council is possibly on the ball on this, and I don't know the details, so it would be stupid to say anything. On the other okay. hand, when has that ever stopped me? But <laughs> no. 
True. That's a rhetorical question. But the only thing, the other thing as well, I've heard that even camping, which used to be an option for a lot of people, has absolutely skyrocketed in the last three years. Yeah, I've heard that as well. So people can't even afford to do that. But yes, I mean, we had a show last year, venue mates with me, and uh, uh, they were staying somewhere out in, um, oh, way past Musselburgh. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, commuting by bus um and um yeah after i think four or five performances they just weren't there anymore um and we covered for them and obviously um it's annoying when a show drops out mm. but for the first year i started to understand that uh i mean and normally, again, you're a fascist dictator you're a, where are my salutes by the way uh, my fascist dictator um <laughs> Normally, I would say if someone if a show drops out halfway through their book, then you're a shit list for life. This is this is not. Yeah. What and and well, that, what happened, that begs the question: What happens? Are they still on the bus? Are they still? I, 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 I never <laughs> knew. The, but, oh, the, the weirdest thing is they left their guitar in the venue. Wow! Who, who, who does that? Are you coming up? Are you going up to Edinburgh this year then to do your show? Um, yes. Um, at the moment, I'm very despondent, and you may say that happens every year, but, you know, fine. it increases. Uh, the, the, this is a, I, I hate it when that gets sort of dismissed. But, but no, I am doing the last two weeks uh, with Peter Buckley Hill and some comedians. I haven't written a one-man show this year, mm. um, I have written some one-man shows in the past that I'm very pleased with, and uh, I've got to the point. So I don't think there's another one-man show within me in any way. Um, I'd like to know that people are going to see it if there was. But PBH and some comedians is uh, is rolling on. What time? Um, 7.30, um, double length to 9.45. Uh, it will be in a venue uh, called the Tang Dynasty. Wow. Um, on South Bridge, <laughs> which is going to be an excellent restaurant when they've converted. Right now, they're converting it from one sort of restaurant to another sort of restaurant, and we're going to use it while the conversion's uh, happening. So I'm just <laughs> going to thank you because we're going to cut off any seconds. Thanks, uh, Peter Buckley Hill, for chatting. Thank you, Peter. Don't Great, mention it. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's a real life. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I'm off on the bus now to Musselburgh. <laughs> Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make it back. <laughs> well, uh, that was the very combative uh, piece of Buckley Hill. Yes. On, uh, on, on full torrent there, wasn't he? It? Like, it was hard to uh, to stop him once you turned him on. It's like, wow. Yes, and, and one of the most optimistic people about the future of the Edinburgh Fringe that you're going to meet. <laughs> I, I prefer the term realistic. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, it's not like I disagree with him. We were going to talk about, um, in our comedy lexicon today, the idea of um, the, the Edinburgh show. Because um, Edinburgh shows are not meant to be one hour, are they? Yes. Everyone advises you to do between 50 and 55 minutes. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the comedy lexicon phrase is going to be 50-minute hour, 40-minute dip. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, it, it, Steve, you've already explained the 50-minute hour. We'll go on to the 40-minute tip. Let's just you know, get deeper into the 50-minute hour. Why is it 50 minutes? 
Well, because uh, people's attention spans are, uh, won't stretch to, um, you know, the full 60 minutes. I mean, people forget as well, by the way, that the turnarounds in a lot of those venues between each show can sometimes be, sometimes be as little as 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, when I did when I did the stand in 2017, it's the only time in my whole Edinburgh career I've been told off because I did over. I mean, I think I did an hour and five, hmm. and I del- I delayed the, the following show by five minutes, and I got a, a reprimand um, from the show manager or the whoever was running the um, said, "Don't do it again, or we'll fine you or something." Without naming any names, because the only reason I'm not doing that is because I don't really know, but I know from reading between the lines that, uh, that there are certain runs in Edinburgh that um, uh, one person does it persistently and it just fucks the whole thing up. Yeah. The whole evening is fucked. And not only do they keep doing it, you know, for the first night, they just do it night after night after night. Um, yeah. I don't know who they are. Yes, you do. <laughs> I, can, I can think I can think of a few, you know. But, um, yeah, artistically, I suppose. I mean, Peter Graham always, when I was doing a show in uh, in 1999 about my dad, um, he advised me to do that thing. Of, uh, he said, keep it under an hour, uh, 50, ideally, 55 if you've got too much. And, um, you know, because they won't, the audiences won't be able to sit for an hour and watch it all. Yes. Uh, it's too much. And, in fact, when you think, that was 1999, so that's, um, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, and now, um, people's attention spans, if anything, it is probably minutes shorter, isn't it? The 40-minute dip is the second one, which is pretty much uh, what you think it's going to be, which is the audience tend to lose it, their concentration, around about 40 minutes. That's yeah. when they're at the most tiredest. And apparently that's the moment you should have the moment of poignancy in your show. I mean, we've talked about this so many times. There's a hell of a lot of snobbery involved. Just because it's the Edinburgh Fringe, people think that it must have some meaning. Yes. And uh, be about something. Yes, there's, there's got to be a narrative. Yeah, narrative, man. Narrative. Oh, there's got to be an arc, story arc. And the story arc, around about 40 minutes, should be, well, then, and we went to the funeral. And I realised <laughs> at that moment that I was inspired <laughs> to sing this song which is going to lead me into the next 10 minutes, which is going to be really up-tempo. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and then I, I suddenly realised I, I didn't have a proper ending for the Edinburgh show. And I... <laughs> so I wrote this song. <laughs> I had to concoct this load of bollocks. I mean, it's, it's, it's just that thing, because most um, of the shows in Edinburgh, I mean, I'm not decrying it. And look, it's a hard thing to do at Edinburgh shows. It is. Hmm. And, and it's a lot of hard work. And I've done it myself and you've done it. Um, but it's this idea that it's now a, a hybrid between theatre and comedy. And um, that's what it should be. I don't see why. And then, then of course, we have all that thing of um, you get people who absolutely storm it in Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and then, you know, can't find anywhere to take it unless it wins an award yeah or gets slowed they can't find anywhere that they can play it because no you know ordinary comedy clubs are not the suitable venue for your whimsical thoughts on teacups or well, i know i mean i did uh yeah by my own modesty a really tremendous show uh <laughs> but of course you, you can't take it to a small arts theater something that lasts 50 minutes 
uh, when they want something that's going to fill an evening. No, so then you do, you, you you're thinking you'd have to take a support or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, it's hard. There was lots of brilliant stuff at the Edinburgh, which you wouldn't see anywhere else. Yeah, but I think I think that um, you know we we've all seen you know really really good comedians. Somebody like Mick Ferry, who who I think is uh, bordering on a genius. He's a very very funny man and a brilliant comedian, but get really patronisingly you know one and two star reviews because he's not. You know, he doesn't fit the template. Edinburgh critics will look at that and go, well, he's just an Northern comic, isn't he? He's just coming here with his flat cap and his whippet. And even though yeah. his comedy isn't anything like that, they feel like, despite what he's doing, they're still seeing Bernard Manning up there. Well, I just said that says more about them than him, doesn't it? Yes, Obviously. of course it does, and I feel for him over there. And I mean, I said this once to Don Ward at the comedy store. Uh, name drop, uh, no, but I, you know, what is wrong with trying to be as funny as you possibly can for as long as you can <laughs> at Edinburgh? Why isn't that enough? Well, Don Ward said to me, he said, "Funny isn't enough. You need extra." And I suppose that also applies to Edinburgh shows to a certain degree. You can be funny for the fifty minutes, but um, there is the idea, whether it's false or true that it's more satisfying to have some narrative art sort of grafted onto it. I wonder uh, when it first started whether that was the norm or whether we've just, you know, very much as the early comedy circuit was, um, there, were, there was much more variety. I mean, there is, a, there is a trend, by the way, of people doing like maybe 35 to 40 minute shows now as well, back to back with somebody else or just trying to, you know, shake things up. Well, I think the minimum to get an award is ah. uh, 45 minutes. Is it? <laughs> but you can get away with, that's the least you can do. Would you be faced with a 30-minute dip then? <laughs> yeah. But we've moved away from the 50-minute uh, show and the 40-minute dip. We've reached our own 40-minute dip, haven't we? <laughs> yes, we've reached our own 40-minute dip. So now's a good time to end it. And if you enjoyed the show, um, once again... Uh, share and uh, tell other people about it if you're listening to the podcast. If you're watching the YouTube, buy us a coffee and other ways you can contribute Ooh, yes. so that we can uh, make more shows uh, and do less comedy live because we're making so much money out of this, <laughs> which will never happen. But, you know, you live yeah. in hope. You have to. We'll see you on the next one. This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.